Well, good morning, everyone. Would you go ahead and stand with me as we together recite the Apostles' Creed, our statement of faith here at Celebration Church? Would you join with me as we say it together? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. I have the opportunity this morning to share uh, from God's Word with you. Pastor Mark uh, is in California and uh, with uh, a with marriage event that's taking place there and uh, he decided it was an awful long walk to come from California back to Green Bay uh, and he had hoped to actually record a message for us this morning but unfortunately was not able to do that. So uh, the good news is he chose the second best and that must be me. So uh, here I am to share some of <laughs> God's Word with you this morning. And by the way, this iPad is just up here for good looks, okay? Uh, I had decided that I'm going to try my best to, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older than these young'uns that run around here. And I decided I'm gonna try my, this, this morning to preach from the iPad, and I thought, well, you know, uh, it, there'll be a good opportunity to do that. Uh, this morning, as I was kind of getting ready for the first service, I thought, I got a little nervous and I thought, uh, no, I'm just going to depend on the cloud and I'm going to go back to these notes, all right? So I'm going to put my iPad right down here. But I've got an iPad. That's the good news. <laughs> the reason really is, is that I have to make the writing so big that all I have on the iPad page is about two or three words and I've got about 100 pages I've got to flip and that could be quite a problem here, all right? Let me start out this morning by asking a question as we begin the message this morning. The question I want to ask you is, who here today is a middle child? Let me see your hands. Quite a few of us, all right? Those of you that are joining us online or maybe even in Appleton and Stevens Point, hopefully you lifted your hand as well, the middle child. All right, basically what the middle child is, it's that birth order that we uh, come into our families with. You know, you have the firstborn, that's the oldest child, of course, then you have the youngest uh, child that, that, that uh, in the birth order, if there's uh, three or more, and then you have the middle child. Sometimes a middle child could be the third or fourth, but someone right in the middle, all right? And I want to start out the message here. I want to share with you a simple clinical definition of what the middle child is, as well as some of what is called some of the characteristics of the middle child syndrome. All right, are you ready for this? Here we go. Whether you have a middle child, are a middle child, or know a middle child, everyone seems to understand that when it comes to placement in a family, that's the worst place to be. Encouragement's coming, all right? People have so many reasons for believing this. Some think that the middle child simply gets forgotten for no reason. Others believe that the eldest is the leader and the youngest is the baby, but the middle child has no real place. Encouraged yet? 
Others still believe that parents love the eldest child because he or she was the first, and that the youngest because he or she was the last, but the middle child has no real special place. Some of the most common characteristics, are you ready? Ready for encouragement here? Some of the most common characteristics of the middle child include low self-esteem, jealousy, feelings of emptiness, inadequacy, unfriendliness, and a tendency to be introverted. Middle children, are you encouraged yet? The middle child syndrome, sound like you? I'm a middle child. I was born into a birth order in my family. I have an older sister who's two years older than I am. Uh, and good thing is that she's not here this morning. She's actually over in Africa right now on a mission trip, and I don't think they can pick it up uh, online church. So uh, she's older than I am and very, uh, thinks she knows it all. <clears throat> I have a younger sister who's four years younger than me. And yes, she's spoiled. I'm in the middle. I'm the middle child. Not only am I the middle child, but I am the only male in the family. I've got a sister that's older, a sister that's younger, and I'm in the middle. So church, if on occasions or regularly, if I seem off to you, now you know why. <laughs> Let me take a quick sidetrack here right at the beginning of the message. Nothing like sidetracking right at the beginning of a message, right? I wanna encourage us about our family. Families are so important. Family of faith is important, but our family as well. Because in the world in which we live today, families are being torn apart by so many different things. And so often we get caught up in the swirl of things around about us. And I want to encourage us that yes, I do know that family on occasions drives us crazy. But I want to encourage you that we as a people of faith need to be praying for our family and praying for those that are part of our family, our biological family and even our family of faith. As far as it depends on you, love your family. Now I want to introduce you to my siblings here in just a moment. This past November, I, had, I was fortunate enough to go on a mission trip. I had an opportunity to go to the Sudan on a missions trip uh, uh, with a group of about 20. It was a ministry called Hope for Sudan and we were able to go over on that missions trip. It was a medical team that went, a number of doctors, nurses, and then other folk as well. The good news is I didn't, I was not acting as a doctor. I was not acting as a nurse. The problem was I was the head pharmacist, so you can figure that one out. But we went on this missions trip with my family. We had a wonderful time with both of my siblings. And you know what we came to realize that not only were we going to serve and minister to people that were in great need, the Sudan is one of the most depraved areas that I've been to and I've been to many different areas. Areas where people that financially and spiritually extreme depravity that was there and we were able to minister there. But one of the things that I came to realize that was such a blessing to me, that I was able to be on a missions trip with my two sisters, my siblings, even though I was the middle child, stuck in the middle uh, with the two of them and we hadn't been together on a missions trip since we were children <clears throat> we grew up in a missionary home my parents were missionaries to Africa and so for the first time at the uh, that we were able to go back to Africa and be on a missions trip together it was a real blessing I want to show you a couple of pictures a couple of slides this morning of just that the first slide is a picture 
of the siblings. See, I'm stuck in the middle. I won't tell you which is the oldest one and which is the youngest one because then I would really get into trouble. But that's the three of us. The next slide just shows you some of the people that we ministered to there in the southern Sudan. This was at one of the clinics, some of the, the children that were, that were there. The next slide shows you a, a picture of the housing, the five-star housing that most people live in the Sudan. That's a village right there in Sudan and that's uh, the, the, the typical home. And, and uh, I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, the, we, we would have to travel from place to place where we were staying, going into the area that we were going to have the medical clinic. And uh, there was, I mean, the main roads were just no roads at all. Just going from where we were staying to an area that we were having the clinic this one day was only 36 miles away. It took us three and a half hours of travel to go 36 miles. All right. Have a look at this next slide. Here's a shot of the clinic. We, we would go into these areas. We would set up tables. The doctors would start seeing some of the folk that were there. We had the uh, pharmacy in a, in a big truck that we dispensed the medication from trying to help. There's the head pharmacist. Doesn't he look like he knows what he's doing? The good news, all he was doing was handing out some multivitamins, so you can hardly get, uh, but there we go, we were dispensing some of the medication. Here's another picture that, oh, okay, we didn't minister to that. I mean, that was there, uh, we clearly saw that, and uh, that was right there within spitting distance, as they say down in the south, uh, right? And then the final picture, of course, is a beautiful picture of a sunset right there where we were as well. But we had a great opportunity of going and ministering to people in the Sudan. All right, a great opportunity as a middle child with my siblings to be able to minister. All right, let me encourage you uh, with this as well. When it comes to one thing that I've always thanked God for and have always been very appreciative and proud of is the fact that, that in my home that the heritage and the inheritance that I've received from my parents as a believer, growing up in a family of faith, a family that uh, was passionate about Jesus, and growing up in that home. And I, let me encourage you that even though we know and understand that our salvation does not come as a pass down from one generation to the next. Our salvation comes when we realize we are a sinner and we accept Christ into our life as our Lord and Savior. Having a heritage, a family, that allows and encourages and, and challenges our walk with the Lord, and even as a young person, is so important. Uh, and I want to encourage that. You know, I know that many of us come from dysfunctional families. Maybe you come from a family that's been broken up and has been very, but I want to challenge you this morning. Draw a line in the sand and say as it says in God's word, that as of today, that as for me and my house and the generations that come ahead, we will serve the Lord. Make that a purpose in your heart and life. Amen. One of the fun things that came out of our trip together was that uh, as the three siblings, my, my, my sister who knows it all, uh, said uh, that this was kind of like, the, um, like the, the ministry of Jesus. Jesus, the word of God said, came preaching, teaching, and healing. My older sister is involved in medicine. She's a nurse and very involved in medicine. My younger sister is involved in education, has taught in uh, um, schools all over the, the world and uh, American embassy schools and other schools as well. And then I'm a preacher. So it is kind of like the three of us together making up this beautiful picture of the ministry of Jesus. Pray for the people that are lost. 
One other thing I want to just encourage us, I want to challenge us as individuals to pray for those that are lost. Whether they're people lost in the Sudan that don't know Jesus, in Africa, in Myanmar, with some of the partners that we partner with at Celebration Church, those that are getting ready to go on this Wells trip later on in the year, there's a team that's going to go to Myanmar. I want to encourage us. Be, you know, we all need to pray, and most of the time our prayers are centered in our needs. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to challenge us that we need to be a people who pray for the salvation of people that need to see Jesus, need to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It may be across the world in cross-cultural places. It may be right here in the United States. It may be right here in Green Bay. It may be in your street. But pray for them. Pray for those people. Somebody had to take time to pray for you. If you're a believer this morning, someone had to invest something, prayer, finances maybe too, to help you to come to a place where you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and can respond to it. Now I want to introduce you this morning to another middle child. All right? And this middle child is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. The last verse of this chapter 13, which is our love chapter that you, I'm sure, would, would be aware of. But the last verse in chapter 13 in the New Living Translation says this. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now you may have heard many, many messages on faith. You may have understood what the Word of God says about faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, we don't, we don't come to salvation. Faith is very important. You may have heard many messages on peace, on, on love. And what love is, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die. That love is an important part, that God loves us and he has a plan and purpose for our life. But when was the last time you heard a message on hope, the middle child? I want to try and do that this morning. I want to try and share some thoughts on what this hope, this middle child is all about. So the title of my message this morning is Hope, the Middle Child. First of all, I want to start out by just asking the question, what is hope? You know, there's a distinct difference between hope from an ordinary human standpoint and the hope that we see in Scripture. We all have hope for something. I get a question I could ask this morning is, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Are you hoping to get a good job? Are you hoping that your kids behave? Are you hoping that Pastor Lathan doesn't preach too long? Are you hoping that our Packers win? I've got one word for you. You ready for this word? R-E-L-A-X. Just relax. The Packers will win. There's many things that we hope for. But our human hope always implies a degree of uncertainty. I'm not too sure. You know, it's, it's a possibility. I'm just gonna keep my fingers crossed. That's the kind of hope that most of our hoping is. You know, I'm hoping for a good job. I've been for a good interview. The interview went well. This job has got some good uh, money, it's good finances, but. You know, I'm hoping that my kids behave, particularly 
during the, the service while they're down with the, in the children's ministry. You know, I told them what to do. You know, I even threatened them with their life. But, oh my goodness, there's a number up on the screen and it matches my number. And here comes somebody from the children's ministry to call me out because my child's acting up. I was hoping they'd do better. You see, earthly hope is uncertain. But biblical hope, this middle child that we're talking about here, church is void of uncertainty. Is void of uncertainty. You may say, what? Oh, wait a minute, that's impossible. Biblical hope rests now, if you don't hear anything else in this message, hear this. Biblical hope rests on the stability of God. It rests on His character. It rests on His will. It rests on His truth. Biblical hope defined is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. That's what hope is. That's what biblical hope is. It's not crossing my fingers. It rests on him. The writer of the book of Hebrews said it this way, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 and 23 in the New Living Translation. It says this, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the, to the what? To the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Oh, you had a great opportunity to say amen. God can be trusted. In Hebrews 13, 8, it says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Certain, no uncertainty in that. The writer of James, James said in 1.17 that he never changes or casts a shifting shadow, a shadow that moves around. It is that certain. It's not a crossing fingers, it's a certainty in who Christ is. That's what biblical hope is all about. Now yes, hope and faith, being a part of a family, hope being the middle child and faith being part of the siblings of the three, all right? There is a connection between faith and hope. There is a connection. They're part of the same family. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It's the very first verse in the chapter that's often referred to as a chapter that shares the heroes of the faith. And verse 1 talks a little bit about what this faith looks like. But see how it links in with hope. It says this, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. That's what hope is. It's confident that it will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. The confidence, the assurance that what we hope for will happen. The conviction that things that we don't even see, haven't even seen yet, will take place. Hope, biblical hope, is the element of faith specifically looking to the future. Faith is based upon the trust in God from our past, our present, and the future. You see, God is who he says he is. God is who he says he is. And church, family, we cannot hope. We cannot hope for with confidence and certainty other than in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We do not hope in the things of the world, 
but the person of Jesus. That's what hope is. That's the middle child. Now the next thing we need to look at this morning, next thing I want to share with you is why should we hope? We know what hope is. Why should we hope? Well, if we look around the world today, it looks pretty hopeless at times, doesn't it? A world full of evil, a world full of darkness, a world full of pain, a world full of suffering sometimes. It, it, It gives us little reason to hope. I mean, this past week and the last couple of weeks, every time you turn the news on and you listen to the news, we read all these reports about terrorism and and what's happening over in Europe and what's taking place, it seems hopeless and the threat that it may once again touch our shores and we know that they're just things, you know, we read about hunger. We read about the abortion and the abortion rate that's taken. We read about the moral decay and we sense the moral decay that's happening in our country and how that uh, in the past where there was this this, normal, simple moral standard that held up our society as being eroded and falling away and that this moral decay is there. It seems hopeless. It seems hopeless. The challenge to us as born-again believers and as a church is to let that, uh, to, to stand strong in what God says and allow that moral standard to be lifted up. But the truth is that it looks hopeless. It looks hopeless. We all experience some sort of pain and suffering. How many of you this past year, 2014, experienced pain and suffering in your life? I'm sure we, most of us did in some some form, some level. All right, pain and suffering. Anybody here experienced a shattered dream? You see, why do we need hope? Why hope? Because without that hope, hope without the biblical hope life would be hopeless but because of that need for hope out of the out of that came the person who we could put our hope in and that is Jesus Christ look at John chapter 1 verse 14 at the New Living Translation it says this so the word became human Jesus became a man and he made his home amongst us he became part of the family He was full of unwavering love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The Word became flesh. Jesus stepped into our world. Hope was made possible. Jesus went to the cross and he bore the weight of our sin. He defeated death in the resurrection so that you and I, we can now be born to a living hope. No matter what the trials no matter what the difficulties, no matter what the struggles, no matter what the world is experiencing or that we may be experiencing, we have a living hope. First Peter 1, 3 through 5 says it this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope. And into an inheritance... There's that family word again. That can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Living hope, no matter what the trials. Paul in Romans said it this way, chapter five. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. 
Wow, really? For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope, this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. This middle child of hope. Further along in Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 12, it says this, rejoice in our confident hope. Our confident hope. Why hope? In a hopeless situation because of who Jesus is. This confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. You see, suffering can produce hope in our life because we know that despite our troubles, God's love has been poured out. You know, one of the challenges that I found when I went to the Sudan on this missions trip and we saw all these people, people suffering, and you thought, now God, how do I share you know, they're concerned about just trying to get their water for the day, food for the day, living life, trying to stay alive, the, 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 uh, you know, all that they are part of, the suffering that they were going through, this, the situation they find themselves. And here I'm gonna come along and tell them about a man named Jesus, that if they pray a simple prayer with me, they're gonna, their life's gonna be changed. It was a challenge to think, God, what, how, does, how, do, how does this all happen? But even within their suffering, even in their pain, when they heard the gospel of Jesus, hope came. Hope comes. Hope is revealed in a place of absolute hopelessness. We get through our pain and our suffering through hope in Jesus. Now I'm gonna finish up here this morning by just touching on the last part of the message, talking about this middle child hope. And it boils down to, and the challenge there is, where is the source of our hope? Where do we get our hope from? And I wanna read out of the book of Lamentations. And I know you've been reading Lamentations all week long, so we're gonna, it is in the Old Testament, by the way. I wanna ask the question, when was the last time you read out of Lamentations? Because it may have been a long time ago. But Lamentations chapter three, starting at verse 21 through 24, it says this. Yet I still dare to hope. I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, I bet this guy was a middle child too because middle children are always speaking to themselves. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Is that family word again. Therefore, I will hope in him. What is the source of our hope? His faithfulness, his love, his mercies, his strength. Hope comes when we have a personal experience, salvation with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. No other way. Let me be absolutely clear here this morning. We only come to hope, the biblical kind of hope that I'm talking about, through Jesus and receiving him into our life as our Lord and Savior. The last scripture, Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8, out of the New Living Translation. Great scripture, 
scripture you need to meditate on. In fact, let me suggest that about two o'clock this afternoon, take the scripture out and meditate on it. All right, would you do that for me? But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Those who hope in the Lord. I want to read a, the words of an old hymn. This hymn was written over 200 years ago. And I was extremely tempted to sing it to you this morning. But I decided that I'm going to leave all the singing to Pastor Bob. But it says this. My hope, and the word should be up on the screen for you, is built on nothing less. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, and yes, sometimes there's darkness that comes, I rest on his unchanging, unchanging, certain grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood supports me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and my stay. When he shall come with the trumpet sound, oh then, may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. Church, if you're standing on anything else this morning, but the solid rock who is Jesus, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. There is hope. There is hope for this middle child as it's centered in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you this morning for the truth of your word. Thank you, God, for, your, for faith. We thank you for your great love. But we thank you, Lord, that there's hope in sometimes very seemingly hopeless situations. Because again, our hope is not based upon our circumstances. It's not based upon us crossing our fingers. That our hope is based upon the stability, the certainty, the truth of who you are. And we thank you for that. That God, we can again today affirm that. And this morning, if anybody's unsure about that, that they can reach deep down inside and respond and receive this hope, this eternal hope, this living hope into their hearts and their lives. And we pray it in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.